In the name of Jesus, amen. Today, Jesus condemns self-righteousness. And he taught a parable to certain people, people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and who looked down on others, who treated them with contempt. And he told them a parable of what it truly means to be righteous. There were two men in this parable. There was a Pharisee and a tax collector. And in a sermon earlier this summer, I preached about how Pharisees and tax collectors were viewed in those days. So the Pharisees were viewed as the best human beings on earth, the best type of person you could possibly be. And the tax collector was viewed as the absolute worst person you could be, an extortioner, one who stole money. And remember, I preached about this false man-made scale that we place, or that in that day they placed uh, the Pharisees on top, the tax collectors at the bottom. And uh, what, what Jesus is doing today is he's taking these two extremes and putting them before our eyes. He's showing us the best and the worst. And so in this parable, he tells us that they both went to pray in the temple. And the Pharisee stood by himself before everyone in the temple and prayed aloud. I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And the tax collector stood at a distance and he wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven out of the shame of his own sin. Rather, he beats his own chest saying, Oh God, be merciful to me the sinner. And that's probably the main difference between the text, uh, the English translation, and the Greek. The English translation has the indefinite article that he calls himself a sinner, but the Greek, it's definite. He, he considers himself the sinner, as if he were the only one who sinned in this world, as if he were the one uh, that, that God is angry with. And so Jesus ends the parable by saying this. It's shocking. I say to you, this man the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So what's happening here? The Pharisee who was outwardly good and did admirable things in the sight of others was actually rotting on the inside with a self-righteous heart. And he went to the temple and he exalted himself before God. He looked at all of the works of his hands and all the things he did. And he went above and beyond to impress God and do things for others. And in order to give himself a little more boost, right? He was doing good, but just to give him that edge above everyone else, he put everyone else around him down. He walks all over that tax collector and he uses him as a stepping stool to try and get to God. And he thanks God that he's not like all the horrible people around him. Well, so here you are in church again, and you heard this text last year. And you heard it the year before that, the past four years. And truth be told, you're going to hear this same text for the next year and the one after that until your final day. And the reason is because you need to. We all do. Because there's no temptation greater to the Christian than self-righteousness. The temptation to think that you are better than others 
and that you have earned God's favor. This is the greatest temptation for the Christian. This is a temptation that afflicts everyone. But this is a temptation that Christians face more than anyone else. The sin and the temptation of self-righteousness. And even more, from what I've seen around the world, it seems like the longer you are a Christian, the more tempted you are to become like that Pharisee. The longer you are a Christian, the more tempted you are to fall into self-righteousness. And so you might say, sure, okay, yes, pastor, but I've never seen anyone come up here at Zion and stand up before everyone and say, look, I'm better than all of you guys, right? I've never seen that. And I've certainly never done that. And so I haven't seen it either. And this is because there's a way to do it without having to do that. There's a way to say you're better than someone than not flat out saying, than just flat out saying, I'm better than you. And you might not be exalting yourself or talking about yourself in the highest way or saying you're the best, but you don't have to. Because there's another way to do this. And the most common way to do this, to lift yourself above others, is to put others down and to speak ill of them. And when you put others down so much and criticize all they do, You find fault with their every word and deed, every facial expression, every motion that they have, every look that they give you. You'll soon find, as you're pushing and saying, this person, nope, they, they offended me. They're not the person I like. This person looked at me funny. This person said something that I did not like. Pretty soon, you're the only one left on top. And that's how it works. You occupy yourself not so much by trying to be the best per se, but by proving yourself to at least be better than the next guy, than that person that you're angry with right now, or whoever it is. And the truth is that you end up lifting up yourself the most when you act behind people's backs. When you go around and gossip about one another, you're saying that your name and reputation is better than your neighbors. When you grumble and complain about those whom God has called you to to be with here in this church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, when you grumble and complain against them and about them, you're putting down your neighbor, your brother, for selfish gain. When you refuse to confront someone who has offended you, you put them down by saying they're not worth your time and effort to try and win them back. I'm not going to go through that effort. I'm not going to put myself through that again because you think it's a waste of time. And here's something even more heavy to consider. The question is, where does this selfishness and this arrogance, this prideful nature and this sinful attitude come from? The heart of it is unbelief. It's unbelief. The reason people do this is because they don't truly believe that God will do what he says he'll do. In other other words, the reason some Christians turn against one another and tear each other to shreds down with hurtful words or gossip and slander is because they've stopped believing the gospel in that very moment. The gospel declares to us eternal life by grace through faith alone and not by works. You know this from Ephesians chapter 2. It says it so clearly. It is not by our works, but by faith in the grace that God has given to us. That is what gives us eternal life. But when you tear others down, 
And when you justify yourself before God, when you make excuses for the sins that you've done and you explain away your behavior instead of confessing it, it's because you don't truly believe that God's word is true, that he's going to save you by your grace, by his grace through faith alone and not by your works. So when you do these things, it's because truly deep down inside, you believe that you are saved by your works. And you want to earn God's salvation. And so you do it the best way you know how. By lifting yourself up at the expense of others. You know you cannot be perfect before God. We all know this. And so instead, we occupy ourselves pointing out the imperfections of others. You seek their sin and you hold grudges. You keep a mental list of all the terrible things they've done. And rather than talking to them about it to win them back, you bring it out only when your own sin is confronted. And the truth is, if left unchecked, if left unpreached about, if left untaught, in, the entire churches have been torn apart because of such self-righteousness and pride. Congregations have been rent asunder because these problems have not been addressed, because they have not heard this or they have not obeyed what God says. So self-righteousness is the sin that you will struggle with the most, especially as a Christian. The temptation is going to grow. It's going to grow on you. It, the devil will attack you even more. The sin in your heart will become stronger and stronger. And you'll be tempted to think that you earned something from God or that you're better than any newcomers who come to this church or that you deserve a place in his kingdom. So examine yourself and your life. The truth is that supporting the preaching of God's word with your time and money is a good work. But if you think that even one penny of your tithes and offerings has earned you a seat here in Christ's church, then repent of such wicked and sinful conceit. The same vein, volunteering and serving on boards and serving your neighbor is a great way to help the church function from day to day. But if you think that even a drop of sweat on your brow has given you any ownership or entitlement over this church or others, then repent of your profound selfishness and pride. Getting up early and dragging your children out of bed to go to church and to go to the Bible study is a wonderful thing to do as a Christian parent and to your loved ones. But if you think that for a second your church attendance or your knowledge of God and the facts he has given gives you the right to commune at this altar, then repent of that narcissism and that immoral, arrogant, and unchristian attitude of self-justification. If you've looked down on anyone in this congregation or anyone in your life in any way, if you've ever, even for a split second, thought of yourself being better than those around you, if you've ever spoken something that was not glowing about your neighbor behind their back, repent of such conceited and sinful behavior. Admit that you failed, that you failed to do what's best. Admit your fault and your sin. Confess as you did this morning at the beginning of the service that you are a poor, miserable sinner, not haphazardly, but confess it from the heart with all you've got 
Repent of your ego, your pride, and immature obsession with yourself. Repent and look to the cross. And you set your eyes on the cross and you see what you deserve for your sin and you don't take your eyes off of that cross until you see what God has done to save you. There Christ suffered and died on that cross without any of your work or doing, without any of your preparation, without any of your pleading. He went there before you asked, before you even thought of it. He decided to save you. There Christ endured the wrath of God that we deserved. There he won for us the salvation that nobody deserves, the eternal life that no one can earn. And there on that cross... Through his self-donation and in his empty tomb, there you find the life that you need so badly. That perfection that we lack so much. We find the, the justification that he declares upon us. The one who had all righteousness in himself tore himself open to pour that righteousness out upon this earth. So that you would receive it upon your forehead and in your mouth and in your ear Sunday after Sunday. So hear this exhortation to live humbly, live humbly with one another, live peaceably together. Don't tear each other down. That's not what Christians do. This is not for the children of God. The sons of light don't, are not to engage in these things. Don't try and prove yourself to be better than others. Don't try to make others appear worse. Christianity is not a competition. Don't be like a self-righteous or condemned, that condemned Pharisee who had no faith in the mercy of God and tried to prove through his works that he was better. When you're looking for sin, start with your own heart, not the heart of others. When you stand before God, don't bring up your good works. Beg for the mercy that he promised to give you and claim it to be your own. When you trust his grace, you believe his word, and you love your neighbor. Remember that you have a place in this church not because of your works or your money or your volunteering or your knowledge. The only reason God has allowed you even to be here today is because Jesus purchased a place for you here and in eternity with his holy and precious blood. He has bought for you a place in his kingdom. So for those who have heard God's word here today, and who will stubbornly continue to exalt themselves above others in this life. For those who think they deserve anything from God, make no mistake that God's word is clear. You will be humbled and humiliated on the last day as he comes to be our judge, and he will judge you to be like that Pharisee. But for those who have been humbled today, who have been brought low by God's word, his condemnation of sin and judgment. For those who truly and sincerely repent of their sin, for those who have endured the scorn of being rejected and despised and slandered by self-righteous people, for those who truly know and confess that all we have is without merit or worthiness on our part, Christ will exalt you before your Father in heaven. He will lift up your heart that's downcast, and he will fill your eyes with hope as he crowns you with eternal life, and he gives you more than you ever even dare to claim. 
who cover all of your sorrow in a weight of glory that will drown them all and he will bless you more than you could ever ask or imagine. So you who have confessed your sin here today, today you go home justified. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.